The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Wimbet. Wimbet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to in-game odds, Wimbet has what you need to win. Sign up today. Bet $100. Get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Wimbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. Here's Iannaccio and Barnes is played in. And it's a brilliant save from David De Gea to deny him. Barnes just runs off with that little combination with Iannaccio. And David De Gea, what save. Big strong right arm. Reacts quickly. Leicester growing in confidence here. Space for Castagna. Game for Iannaccio. What a save again. At full stretch. David De Gea keeps Leicester at bay. Just shifts his feet across David De Gea. Stretches that long arm of his out. Fernandez. You are listening to Bet MUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow Bet MUFC on Twitter at Bet MUFC. That's at Bet MUFC. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast. They are at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. The Sports Gambling Podcast Network is at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network. 
And also my other Twitter account is at LockBettingCom. That's at LockBettingCom. The pin tweet at LockBettingCom is always the PL from the previous month of LockBetting.com, the premium pay service that has now delivered 116 months in a row of transparent trap profit. You can now sign up at any time because LockBetting is no longer on Patreon. You can just go to the LockBetting.com website or you can see our Twitter account for our Gumroad page for discounts. You can also get daily packages as well. Also follow the TikTok account. It's the same handle at LockBetting.com. That is a great source for betting information. We post up 30 to 45 second easily digestible videos giving you vital statistical data for key betting events. And also you can follow the Instagram which basically just has the TikTok videos on it. That is simply at LockBetting. So moving on with this edition of Bet MUFC, I thought that the game of the weekend would be a tricky spot, and it started tricky because Leicester did have the better of the um, of the first few minutes of the game. The first twenty minutes was controlled and dominated by Leicester, and they probably should have scored. And Eric Ten Hag did criticise Manchester United actually for the way they played overall. I felt that they were pretty bad for the first 20-25 minutes, but obviously that's going to be the case in some games when you're playing so many games. You are going to start slow in some games. There is going to be some fatigue at the end of games, but the way Manchester United navigated the the middle period, that 60 minutes in the middle, I thought that was very, very impressive. To be in that sandwich spot of Barcelona and Barcelona and to have the cup final coming ahead with Manchester United now playing every three or four days, I thought that was an impressive performance. And Marcus Rashford continues to impress. He just continues to score goals. He's lethal in front of goals. Give him a chance and he will find the back of the net. And this is a very different player to last season. This is a very different version of Rashford that we've seen probably ever. We've always seen flashes of brilliance from Rashford and we're just hoping to see some consistency. Well, he's putting together the most consistent run of his career. And I think it would be fair to say that Marcus Rashford at the moment at this level is not only the best player in the Premier League, but probably the best player in the world. Now, I'm not saying he's the best player in the world. I'm saying he's currently the best player in the world. If he continues to do this for a full calendar year, then Marcus Rashford would be in the argument for the Ballon d'Or. That's how well he's playing at the moment. The difference between Marcus Rashford and Kylian Mbappe, though, is Kylian Mbappe does this every season. And that's why he's always in the conversation as the world's best player. So Marcus Rashford, we're just hoping to continue this to the end of the season. Because if Rashford continues this until May, then Manchester United are definitely going to be racking up trophies. They're going to be definitely uh, picking up a trophy this weekend. And they should be able to add something else to their trophy cabinet as well as going close in the Premier League. Because we're not seeing that consistency from Manchester City. They were unable to take advantage of the fact that they won away to Arsenal. And the fact that they did win away to Arsenal shows that Arsenal can't get over the line in those big, crucial games. And every game for Arsenal between now and the end of the season is going to be somewhat of a cup final. Arsenal have managed to get themselves eliminated from the two domestic cup competitions that are still in the Europa League. So fitness really shouldn't be an issue. They they don't have much squad depth, but they've sort of navigated that by, by getting themselves out of those competitions. So their sole focus now should be in the league, should be on getting Jesus and Partey back and should be on finishing this season strong and giving themselves the best possible chance to win but when you have that that in your DNA where over the years you haven't been used to success and you do mainly mainly rely on these young inexperienced players Arsenal are going to get nervy towards the end of the season and we are going to see them dropping more points Manchester City as well surprisingly it looks like we're going to see them dropping more points I expected them to go on a major run after beating Arsenal that doesn't look to be the case should they have been not 
Nottingham Forest by four or five? Yes. Did they? No. The facts are that they didn't. The facts are they are struggling to utilise Erling Haaland. Erling Haaland is now receiving criticism and he's not dealing with it particularly well because there were situations in that game where Erling Haaland was looking for a pass, where Erling Haaland previously wouldn't be looking for a pass. So it's starting to affect him because this is possibly one of the, the biggest droughts that he's had in his career. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes through it. I'm not necessarily putting the criticism on Erling Haaland, but I think more of the criticism might go on the fact that Manchester City don't know how to utilise Erling Haaland. Jamie Carragher recently made a point about Haaland and... Um, and how Manchester City were only getting a small amount out of him compared to what he could deliver and was heavily criticised for it. But I think the point is absolutely bang on. And I'm not a Carragher fan. Mostly don't agree with what Carragher says. But what Carragher had to say here does seem to be very, very relevant. Let's have a listen, actually, to what Carragher says. Usually we, we fill this podcast up with, with Manchester United-related content. But I do feel that this is Manchester United-related content if Manchester United are realistically going to challenge for the titles. So have a listen to this. I've felt this even when he was scoring all his goals at the start of the season. He's obviously still well ahead in the top goal scoring ranks. But I think we're only seeing 60% of Erlen Haaland. You think of that goal he scored at West Ham on the first game of the season, where he just is spacing behind, he makes that run. Now, I know that's not there that often because of the way City play, but he's come from a league in Borussia Dortmund where it's a counter-attacking league and it's end-to-end, and you see that blistering pace that he's got. We don't see it. And he may have actually picked the wrong club to actually get the best out of him. Really, you're lying, you're laughing, but what I'm saying is we're not seeing everything of Erlen Haaland. And Manchester City now, not because of Erlen Haaland, we can say they're a different team, but they've scored exactly the same amount of goals. So we scored 25 Premier League goals, but Man City as a team have still scored the same amount of goals. But they've conceded more, and it's far easier to counter-attack them as well. So they're a different team, and a lesser team, with Erlen Haaland in the team. But again, it's not his fault. Manchester City, as a team, will not play end-to-end football. It's not Pep Guardiola's way. He hasn't, his players don't have the energy, or the power, or the pace to play end-to-end. They build up slowly, and they push the opposition back to the edge of the box, and they play from there, and when they lose it, they win it back quickly, and they keep people hemmed in. Now, Erlen Haaland will score, still score 25 league goals. A lot of those are coming across and he's putting it in. But we're not seeing the full package of what this player can do because of the team that he's actually gone to. And that's it's, the way impossible, to... it's impossible to see the, the full package though because when teams play against Man City, the, the, the go deep. Do you know what I mean? We uh, go deep because Man City... Uh, I mean, so I'm, it's what James Haaland as an individual about. is I'm coming short on the halfway line. Yeah, but we're, we're, talking, about, we're talking about a striker who scored 25 long. goals. He won't get back in today, he didn't, today he didn't have his greatest game. I'll agree with you. He didn't have no, no touches in, in the opposition box. But this is this is what the Premier League is. He knows what Man City do. They dominate the ball, like you've said. They recycle it and wait for the space in the box. I would I would understand your argument more if he'd only scored 15 goals or so. But he scored tw- 25 goals too. He's still getting the, not, the numbers. I'm not criticising him. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is... Him as a full package when we're talking about one of the best players in the world, I think we're actually, he's that good, he scored 25 goals, we're actually probably only seeing 60 or 70% of him because we're not seeing that that power, that blistering pace. And I get it because of the way Manchester City play. But we've got to come back to the fact that no matter how many goals he scores as an individual, the team's bigger than any individual. Manchester City have scored exactly the 53. same amount, amount of goals this season. So when so I, so he's, he's got, got 50%. Well, it's, just, it's, just, it's just different, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's but what, different. Is it better, Mike? But it's not better, is it? 
It, it, it's different. You will but get is it to better? It, it, well, it's not about being better or not. We'll see at the end of the it's, season. It's not, what better. It, it, it's not it, better. It's different. It doesn't look as, as, as good. It's not as tidy on the eye. It's not coming into the, the false nine and, and playing off different positions. It's not that. But in front of goal, it, it's potent. The, the, the attack hasn't changed. The, same, the goals are there. Haaland's been sensational, the goals that he's got. The problem for Manchester City that was massive today was how easy they are now to counter-attack and get at. And maybe that's because they've got a fellow who plays right up front. He's maybe not in that midfield position to actually stop a counter-attack. It's far easier to get at Manchester City now, as we saw today, and that's the big problem. Well, let you speak. There's... there's what you're referring to is a centre-forward coming off the centre-back, spinning up on the halfway line, spinning a long ball over the top. What I'm talking about, and he won't get that city, he'll never get that city, because that's not how they play. But you can't say you've got a striker with his movement, his aggression, his timing, his football intelligence, that he can't get goals in this team. I, I'm not blaming him in the slightest. I'm blaming the two wide players and midfield players who take too many touches and are not giving him it as quick and as accurate as he wants. These Great, players, are, but these players are more than capable of I, doing I, it. You, you, you've played in teams, so you, you won numerous titles, and you've got a way of going, a way of playing, a way that you do things at Liverpool, and then you bring a player in. Do, do, how does it work in terms of who has to adapt more? So I'm not being critical of anyone. Haaland's done his job. Man City have won four titles in five years, doing a certain way. Who, who should be adapting more to who? Who should be changing for who? I think he's got 25 goals already. If I was offer, if, if, if I was at Man City, I'd be saying to the manager, "We've got to, let's utilise them. Let's let's use them to his best of his ability." Right now, they're not. They're not getting the ball in early enough. Ask any striker. Ask any of the strikers that played today. Any striker you'd ever meet. What do you want? I want it quick and early. You know, you hear stories about strikers complaining all the time. The ball goes wide. They make a run. The guy threatens to cross it and he pulls out. So the centre forward comes out and he goes down again. He threatens and they go again. He doesn't cross it. That, that, they go mad with that. Haaland is the best in the world of his type of centre forward. But they're not utilising it. It's, they're, they're I, I, think, I think it's a football, bit of both. Trying to score the perfect goal. He scored 25 goals. At times... I played in a team where we were regarded as the passing team and we were accused all the time of trying to, only when we lost or drew by, our, by the staff. We were accused all the time of trying to score the perfect goal. If you watch Man City play, that is the accusation you make against them. They're trying to score the perfect goal all the time. When you've got someone with assets that Haaland has, use them. So there you go. I wouldn't put a load of weight on what these guys usually say. Jamie Carragher's mostly wrong. Mika Richards is a bit of a clown. And uh, Graham Soonis inherited a Liverpool team who won title after title after title after title and uh, won nothing, won no Premier Leagues with them. So, as I said, wouldn't put too much weight into what they usually say, but they do make a point about Erling Haaland, especially considering his recent dip in form. So we'll see um, how things pan out for him moving forward and if Manchester City can put any kind of run together. But as I said, if they don't, and Arsenal do get nervous, Manchester United could very well be in a position to capitalise because it's when you win games ugly, that's when you go on to challenge for titles and win titles. It's not a case of winning when you're, when you're playing well because anybody can do that. Manchester United did not play that well against Leicester on Sunday. There were signs of fatigue. There were signs of um, tiredness there, but they got through the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes and went on to win the game and to win the game comfortably. So, before we look ahead to the game against Barcelona and listen to Eric Ten Hag, let me let you guys know that Wimbet is the official 
Sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same game parlays, aka WinBet's Build Your Own Bet. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. So if you're ready to play, sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100 limited to state availability. And of course, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you need to do is head over to sportsgunnandpockets.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgunnandpockets.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Now, this office is subject to change. Terms and conditions available at winbet.com. You must be 21 or older and present in the state where play for winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Now we're going to have a listen to Eric Ten Hag before we preview the game against Barcelona. Let me just let you know there is a lock at the end of this show. There is also a Europa League show as well. That is available over at lockbetting.com. All you need to do is be on the European show pack, the podcast pack, essentially. So if you do subscribe to bonus podcasts, that's where we'll be covering today's Europa League slate here. We're just covering the Manchester United-Barcelona game, but there is a lock at the end of the show for the Barcelona, uh, for the Manchester United-Barcelona tie. So let's have a listen to Eric Ten Hag. Competition 
and uh, winning mentality, we can uh, we already improved a lot, and uh, that's maybe the difference between uh, this season and the last season. So first and foremost, um, hi Eric. Um, I just wonder what your thoughts were, given that Xavi um, is going to be without Gary and Pedri, who played in the first game. And I wondered whether or not you had an opinion on if Xavi's going to change his system, perhaps put four across the middle as he did in, in Camp Nou. Yeah, so I, I don't know what Xavi is thinking, but that's obviously Gavi uh, Pedri. Uh, yeah. Big, big, great plays. Although they are very young, they already uh, have a positive effect on the game of Barcelona. But also their squad is yeah, so many, so much depth in it that they uh, they have players who can replace them. And tomorrow will be a very good team for Barcelona. Uh, so if we want to win, we have to play our best. Last question, Chris. You were very animated with the fans after the game on Saturday. Clearly, it's a big game for you. Um, you had some big games in Europe at the end of your time at Ajax. I think Benfica and Roma were two of the big ones. Does this feel like your biggest game in Europe since the Ajax first semi in 2019? Um, for me, is the next game always the most, the biggest game. So. Uh, I have to, to go back, but I'm I'm not the one, the type who is looking back. I'm looking forward, um, so I'm really totally excited tomorrow. Uh, um, uh, two big, great teams facing each other at Old Trafford uh, will be a massive atmosphere, great ambience, and uh, that uh, I think is the best uh, you can get. So there you go, Eric Ten Hag with a little bit of Rafa Varane, which is very interesting because we've met Rafa Varane, my son's met Rafa Varane several times, did not know that he spoke a word of English because all he does is nods and smiles and uh, that was a big surprise, he actually spoke English very, very well, uh, answered questions very, very well, so maybe a, a future captain there, either Varane or, or Bruno, anybody really, but Harry Maguire, hopefully we see Harry Maguire exit the club uh, in the summer, get what back get back what we can for him. Obviously it's gonna be nowhere near the the eighty million, looking more at twenty five, thirty possibly, but um there's a lot of players that need to get out of the door. There's still a few more that can come in to make us genuine title contenders. But it's a weird season, as I said, as I've alluded to a lot through the show. It's a weird season. Arsenal needs to go over the line. Manchester City look disjointed. Could Manchester United still win it? And will we have a better chance of winning it if we weren't in all these competitions? If we get through here against Barcelona, that adds to the fixture pileup. We've got a cup final at the weekend. We're still in the FA Cup. Are we our own worst enemy in terms of um, actually mounting a league challenge this season? And is league is the league the most important thing? If Manchester United win three cups and, and finish second or third in the league, is that a better season than than winning one cup, men winning the EFL Cup, not winning the FA Cup, not winning the Europa League, but winning the Premier League title? Is um, is that a better season? Uh, it's it probably is, I would say, because it was just so ridiculous that Manchester United would even be in a conversation to win the league this season. Everybody was just looking at a top four and the outside chance of a trophy. Now, for a lot of United fans, the trophy seems to be a given at the weekend, especially given the suspensions that Newcastle have with the goalkeeping problems of Nick Pope. Obviously, we'll address that game at the weekend. Full preview of the EFL Cup to come. But we're here to talk about the Europa League. We're here to talk about Manchester United, Barcelona. As I mentioned, the other Europa League games are covered over on lockbetting.com on a Europa League bonus show. There is an additional lock on that show. There is a lock at the end of this show as well, coming from the Manchester United-Barcelona tie. Before we get to that, let me tell you guys that the SGPN merch store continues to add new items to the store 
every day. Head over to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com to get your favourite shirts, hats, sweats and hoodie. My personal favourite items are the hoodies. I have loads of the hoodies. I wear them all the time. Um, They're made by proper manufacturers like Badger and Under Armour. So they are top quality hoodies with the SGPN logo on them. There's actually one available for the Soccer Gambling Podcast. So support the Soccer Gambling Podcast by going over to the store and getting yourself a Soccer Gambling Podcast hoodie. So moving on to this game here, uh, Manchester United off the back of the first leg, are in a strong position to qualify according to the books. They originally started as a 6-4 to underdog. Now, I already tipped them up as a 6-4 to underdog to qualify here from this tie. If you remember, we um, there was no episode last week previewing the Europa League games from this um, playoff round. That's because we already did that show previously and Manchester United were already tipped up to qualify at a price of six to four plus one fifty, they've now moved to seven to ten. So just slightly bigger than minus one fifty. Seven to ten with Barcelona available at eleven to ten here to qualify from the tie. So it has flipped around a lot with Manchester United moving from six to four to seven to ten. They are now significant favourites, I would say, to qualify from the tie. The ninety-minute market sees Manchester United priced up at thirteen to ten. It's five to two on the draw, and Barcelona are the two to one plus two hundred underdogs to win this game here at Old Trafford. I don't see Barcelona coming here and winning this game at Old Trafford. Um, I see Manchester United finding a way to get through here. I think Manchester United will actually win this game in the ninety-minute period. When you look at what Barcelona have done this season, it's impressive. It's impressive to to be that far ahead at the top of La Liga. Now, people look at this as a dip in, in form from Real Madrid as to why Barcelona are so far ahead. That's not actually true. That's not actually true. If you actually look at um, the number of points that Real Madrid had at this stage last season, they're actually doing better. They're actually on course to have two more points this season than they had last season when they won the league comfortably. So it is really just down to a huge improvement from Barcelona. However, coming into this game, they're going to have to change a lot because without Gavi and Pedri in your lineup, this fundamentally changes what Barcelona have been doing because Barcelona have been approaching games with a four-man diamond midfield. They've been allowing uh, Pedri and Gavi and Frankie de Jong to, to boss the midfield with, um, with Frank Kessie sitting in behind them. That's what Barcelona have primarily been doing. So they've been giving these, these two youngsters the freedom to play with Frankie de Jong being the ball carrier, which is what Eric Ten Hag wanted him to do at Manchester United. And it's something really that Barcelona fans haven't seen too much of because um, Frankie de Jong was really implemented as a, as a holding midfield player alongside Sergio Busquets previously. But he's so much more than that because he's a player who can travel great distances with the ball. He can turn defence into attack. That's what Frankie de Jong did at Ajax and that's what Eric Ten Hag saw in him. But this season, Barcelona are seeing that in Frankie de Jong, which makes the sale of Frankie de Jong much more unlikely, given that his utilisation at Barcelona has improved so much. So he's no longer really a holding midfielder player. That really goes to to Kessie or to Busquets, depending on, on whatever one they decide to select. 
at the weekend, Barcelona actually implemented wholesale changes, probably looking ahead to this game. Frankie de Jong played with Gavi. Sergio Roberto came into the midfield. Fernand Torres, Lewandowski and Ansu Fati played up front instead of the usual combination that have been playing at the moment with Rafinha and Lewandowski with Isman Dembele out injured. Perhaps this 4-3-3 formation was looking ahead to this game against Manchester United because you don't really have the personnel to play that diamond four in midfield. And I think when you're changing so much, if, when you had your, your full strength lineup and you had your first choice formation and you were able to do everything that you wanted to do going into the game and you still only came away with a 2-2 draw and you were lucky, extremely lucky to get that because when Manchester United shifted control of the game at the end of the first half, Barcelona were lucky to score the first goal in the second half, but Manchester United were not phased by that. They carried on dominating the game for the next half an hour and Barcelona should have been down to 10 men. Jules Koundé should have been sent off. Barcelona should have been um, down to 10 men men and 2-1 down, at which point I think Manchester United would have finished the game and finished the tie. So it's unfortunate for United that even in this position position where this hangs on a knife edge, but ultimately I don't think that's going to be an issue here. I think there's too many players missing for Barcelona. I think it's too much to overcome when you've got used to this system for so long. Yes, you can navigate a 2-0 home win at home to Cadiz at the weekend, but will you be able to come to Old Trafford and, and win here when Manchester United are unbeaten in 15 games, winning 14 of those 15 games? I don't think so. Um, a side play you may be looking at here would be both teams to score. It cash for us in the first leg. Both teams have scored in four of Man United's last six home games and uh, Leicester probably should have made that five in the last six on Sunday. Uh, they were denied by two stops by David De Gea and had other opportunities to score in the game. This Barca team haven't kept a clean sheet in, in clean sheet in all of their European games this season, but they have managed to score in each of the last 10 away games. So they should be good for a goal here. This should be a similar type of game. This should be end-to-end, but I just don't think Barcelona will be able to handle Manchester United's firepower. I expect Marcus Rashford to be key once again. I expect Marcus Rashford to have a big game. Marcus Rashford has scored in nine of United's 11 home games. He's hit 24 goals in all competitions this season. He's averaging averaging a goal every 76 minutes in the Europa League. So he's in form. He's in form in this competition. This, this competition was a key part of Marcus Rashford actually finding his feet and getting himself back on track. And um, I just can't see past anything but a Manchester United win. I think with Barcelona coming here after Man United was so good and so dominant for periods in that first leg in Barcelona and with Barcelona missing key personnel for this game, I think it'd be a monumental disappointment and setback going into the cup final and for the whole season if Manchester United were to exit at this point. But to knock out Barcelona and to get this scalp would put us back among the conversation with the European elite. So Manchester United to get this done is going to be my lean here for the show. I like us on the money line, but that's not going to be the lock. For the lock, I'm going to take the the qualification odds because notoriously, Manchester United do like to make things more difficult than they need to be. Um, It would not entirely surprise me to see a score draw here and for this game to be taken into extra time. I would much rather not have the lottery of the penalty shootout, but when I look through the Manchester United lineup. I do see um, penalty takers there in the team. I mean, we're already sharing out the the first spot kick 
between uh, Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford. We know Luke Shaw can take a penalty. We know he can bring on uh, Harry Maguire to take a penalty. He was very consistent when taking them for England. So there's enough penalty takers here in his team to see if Man United can get over the line with that. Obviously, even with the extra time period, that's where you're hoping to win it. I mean, ideally, we're hoping to get it in a 90-minute period. That's what I think will happen. But you're locked here on this show. It's for Man United to qualify here at the price of 7-10. to 10. That's it for me. Good luck with all your bets as always. And thanks for listening.